Hey there, welcome to Keep Calm and Homeschool On. Really excited about today's podcast episode. It is another Godcast episode, meaning nothing more than, okay, it's all about God. That's it. So I'm going to be talking about our Read Through the Bible plan and specifically what I've kind of gained the most this week, which is the power of our words. And I think this is a timely word for what we are facing in our culture right now. I think this is a timely word for what's happening in social media and in the news and everywhere. So I I think it's going to be important and I'm excited about it. So coffee, tea, whatever you need to get yourself going or to sit down, you can take notes. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's podcast episode. If you have our free app, it's Gather Round Homeschool. You can listen to the podcast episodes there and you can actually chat in our online community for the podcast. Also, you can come and comment on the blog post on homeschoolon.com if you find this episode. And finally, I would love for you to post a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else you are listening from. So let's get started. All right, as is normal with me, I have all of my notes scrawled out on a piece of paper um, and or sometimes I have no notes, but today I do have notes. I've been kind of processing and praying about I find these actually really challenging, to be honest, because we're reading such a large amount of information in a week for our Read Through the Bible in a Year plan, which you can get for free on my blog. If you go to homeschoolon.com and just search through the Bible, you'll find it there. Um, So if, you know, we're reading like three to four chapters a day. And so as we're going through, there's just, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that's happening. And how do I cohesively choose one topic that I'm going to zone in on? And so sometimes I just kind of talk about my things that stood out to me, but today I actually felt like as I sat down to write, it, it condensed into one topic, this idea of the power of our words. And I want to talk about the power of our words in a few different areas. Um, I want to talk about the power of our words personally for our own personal walk and our own relationship with God. And I want to talk about the power of our words in relation to us and the world. And this is what has stood out to me the most. If you have not been a part of our Read Through the Bible in a Year plan, no problem. A, you can either join in at any time. You could just hop into where we are today or you, I can just tell you where we're reading. So right now we're in 1 Samuel, we're towards the end of it, but you can just hop in anywhere in there. So we're reading about the life of David. And we are, now that we're kind of into his life, he's running and fleeing from Saul. And so we're popping back and forth because it's chronological between 1 Samuel and the Psalms. And so it, it will be, you know, he's running from Saul and then a Psalm about his his song about that or his, his heart about that or his prayer about that. And then we're bouncing back into what's actually happening in the narrative in 1 Samuel. So we've been doing that for this past, whatever, three, four weeks reading about um, David. And one of the things that's just stuck out to me the most this week is, my goodness, the power of words. So let's talk about the power of our words in our personal relationship with God and why that stood out to me so, so much. And I'm actually going to open up, I don't even have these written down, but I'm going to open it up in my Bible app. If you guys don't have the Bible app, seriously, seriously, it's amazing. I like push play and listen to it and then it goes so slow that then I just stop and read. But I often do it while I like put on my makeup or get ready in the morning, which today there's none of that happening because I'm podcasting, praise the Lord. Okay, so I'm going to go, where am I, what am I doing? I'm going to Psalm, Psalm, I don't know, what were we doing this week, guys? Psalm 27, I feel like I'm going to find an example of this in every single one the declarations that he makes. 
This is Psalm 27 in the English Standard Version. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army I'm bouncing around encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will, that, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire at his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. I mean, you can find this in in every psalm, in every single psalm that he writes. He is declaring. I mean, really, you guys, unless, unless, I'm, and possibly, maybe, possibly, God is actually speaking to, to David and he is actually hearing that, that God is saying, I'm going to hide you in my shelter in the day of trouble. I'm going to conceal you under the cover of your tent. I'm going to lift you high upon a rock. But I think it's pretty safe to assume that most likely he's not audibly hearing all these individual things from God. I mean, he writes so many Psalms. He is declaring it. He is saying, I believe, I know my God, my God is good, and I know that no matter what I face, my God is my protector. My God is my defender. My God will lift me up. He will conceal me. He will be with me. He will hide me. He will shelter me in my day of trouble. He is declaring God, his promises, who he is, his goodness over his life. And there is something incredibly powerful about that. Go to the words uh, to the end of Psalm 27. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait a minute. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He's not talking about one day when I'm dead, I'm going to look back and see God's goodness. No, I believe and therefore he's declaring that I'm going to see God's goodness here and now in the natural, in this current world, in my current life. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I remember I was walking outside when I was listening to this passage and it just struck me. I had to go back and listen to it again. When things are repeated in the Bible, there's a significance to it. And I love the repetition of this. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I know that this is so incredibly timely right now with what we are dealing with. There is so much upheaval in our world. There is so much upheaval in our financial security. There is so much upheaval in, in what's happening with our jobs. There's upheaval with what's happening in our social lives. There's upheaval with what is happening in the world, in the news, in, in all sorts of different things that are going on with protests and everything else. And there's upheaval. Our world is actually in, I believe, a, a total state of chaos. And, and yet this is saying, I believe I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord and wait for him. Be strong, take courage and wait for him. I know someone needs to hear that today. Someone out there needs to declare this, needs to speak this out loud. David is not saying this in his head. He is speaking this out loud. He actually wrote songs. He's saying these things. He danced these things. He declared these things. These were things that were spoken. There is power in the spoken word. There is you guys, when we declare things over ourselves, there is power in that, both for good and for evil. The Bible says that, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. 
the power of life and death. When we speak words, they hold authority and they hold power. Why? Because you are a son or daughter of the living God. You are adopted into his family. You hold authority. When God created the world, it's no coincidence that he created it through speaking. He created the world and he said, let it be and it was. There is power. He was showing us, I believe, he was showing us an example. And then we see that throughout when he talks about the tongue, when he talks about us speaking. He was showing us an example of how I have power in my words. And as as my child, you have power in your words. And we need to be careful what we're speaking. One of the things I really felt convicted about a while ago was um, I had a tendency to say, I'm done. I can't do this. I'm done. And I just would say it. It was like this overwhelmed kind of thing I would do. Oh, I'm I'm so done. I'm just so done. I still say it sometimes. I can hear it when I say it. I'm like, oh yeah, wait, I still say that. And I was speaking this and I was saying, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. And I realized that I am literally calling this defeatist attitude, this defeatist spirit over myself. I am declaring it. I'm accepting it. And I'm literally embracing it. Yeah, I can't do this. Well, that's really going to help my overwhelm. When I'm feeling overwhelmed, instead of declaring, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, speaking his word, using, God says that, that his word is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Our sword, how we battle, and, and we also know that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers and authorities in the spiritual realm. We are not battling here on the natural realm. We're battling in the spiritual realm. So when we are facing overwhelm or frustration or difficulty in our lives, upheaval and chaos, we are supposed to use our sword, which is the word of God. The word of God is powerful. Why? Because words are powerful. And so we can take the word of God and we can speak it over situations in our lives. And I was convicted by the idea that my words were so flippant. And not only were my words flippant, but my thoughts were flippant. And I've talked about this before as well, that we are called to take every thought captive. We are called to actually be disciplined in our minds and to, to take those thoughts that we hear and to question them and to literally, like, like, like someone who's captive, I mean, you, you don't treat someone who's captive gently and nicely and you treat them like you are basically guilty unless you're proven innocent as far as our thoughts. That's what we should be doing. Our thoughts should be very, very critically looked at and tested through the word of God. Is this true? Is this right? Does this line up with the Bible? Does this line up with what God says? And I I say this to my kids, even as far as hearing God's voice, I've talked with you guys about that lots. You all know my opinion that God still speaks today and that he speaks through his word and that he speaks to our hearts and Holy Spirit guides and directs us through speaking to us, through laying things on our heart. And how do you determine that? How do you determine what that is? The way that I teach my kids this is you determine it because your own thoughts are faulty. Okay. We are, we are sinful people. Our own thoughts can't be trusted. And, and there is an enemy of our souls that is out there to, to devour us. And he cannot be trusted. And so we need to take our thoughts and our feelings and our impressions that we might be thinking what God is saying to us or where he's leading us. And we test it with the word of God. A sword is at your hip. It is right there at your side, always accessible. You train with it. You work with it. So you are prepared for battle. It needs to be right there. So accessible. We are testing everything. We are assuming everything is the enemy and we are testing it constantly with the word of God. That is discernment. 
Discernment is is not that something that, oh, some people have the gift of discernment. I mean, it is. I believe some people have like a, a gift. Actually, we, we read this in 1 Samuel um, with Abigail. She was a discerning woman. I believe some people um, specifically are even more so than others. They just have, God has given them just a very special sense of discernment. However, I believe that we all have discernment and we are called to have discernment. It comes through spiritual maturity, but it really comes through reading God's word. Because as you read God's word and you learn about his character and you learn about who he is and you read and you read and you read and you speak these things over your life, you begin to know who he is. And as you know who he is, you can begin to test and you can actually test very quickly because you so well know his character. You so well know his character that of course that thought is not from him because he does not condemn I know that that feeling of mom guilt, that I'm a failure, that I'm, I'm failing my kids, that's not from God. Because if God were speaking to me, he would convict me in a way that brought hope and life. See, when Holy Spirit is talking to you about something and he does convict, he convicts me all the time. But it is always with this sense of hope and, and reconciliation. It is never from a place of pushing me down. And every time I feel that discouragement, every time I feel that that sense of, of failure or condemnation, I instantly know. I don't have to go and dig through my Bible. I instantly know because I've read these verses, because I've read through this stuff. I know that's not the character of my God. Therefore, in a two-second snap decision, if I have discipline in my mind, I can take that thought and say, that is not of God. And instead, speak what is true. There is no condemnation. I can speak the word of God. I can battle with that and that thought has to go. So, so the power of our words, the power of God's word and the power of God's spoken word, we can take the word of God. God says he gave us his armor. You guys, it's no coincidence. It's his armor. I was just teaching my kids this in oceans. We were reading through the armor of God and we were talking about it. It's his armor. He gives us his armor. He's giving us his sword. What is his sword? His words, his spoken words. Our words have power, sub, small, tiny little bits compared to his words. His words have power. So we speak his words over our life. And I love this example that we see in David. And you guys, you'll see this over and over again. He doesn't just speak truth about God's character and speak that out, but he speaks to himself. He says, I, I, so I will not be afraid. Be strong, oh my soul. Why, oh soul, are you? Like he speaks to himself and he says, you, soul, get up. Stop feeling like this. Be, look to God. Look to what he's done. Look to his goodness. He speaks to himself. And I just, I just wanted to start with that. The power of our words, the power of declaration, declaring the truth, declaring to our souls, snap out of it and declaring who God is and declaring his words over our life. And then taking a minute right now, taking a minute, getting a pen and paper and thinking, what are some of the things that I have been declaring that are not true, that are not from God, that do not line up with his word, that do not line up with his character, that I am, I am accepting and I am staying in this place that I don't need to be in if I would just speak and fight against this. 
See, we get stuck in these pits and we say, I'm in this pit. And sometimes legitimately, like there, we need outside help to get out of those pits. But we get stuck in this place where it's like, I'm unmotivated. I'm, I'm unhappy. I'm discouraged. I'm overwhelmed. Like my situation. But, but then we speak that over and over and over and over again, instead of changing the narrative, speaking God's word, speaking with authority, speaking that we are going to move out of that and, and literally declaring the declaring the truth and declaring the future of where we want to be and what we want to see God achieve based on his character and his word. God calls me to be full of joy. God calls me to be full of peace. So I'm feeling fear right now, but I declare to my soul, do not be afraid because there is no fear in God. Fear does not come from him. And so I declare, and you speak yourself out of it. You speak yourself out of it. There is power in declaration. There is power in speaking, like literally our words hold power. And so being cautious of that, but also using the sword of the spirit, using the word of God, which is ultimate power and ultimate authority comes from him. So that is the idea of personal, um, our words have power and how that affects us. I want to talk a little bit about the relationship between us and the world and our words. And I think this is where it's just so significant right now with what is happening. And I'm going to go a little bit tangenty and all over the place with this because there's a couple different, um, there's a couple different ideas and thoughts that I have in my head and some of them may seem to conflict, but I just want to explain that, that essentially I'll just tell you right off the bat, there is not a formula for this. When do you speak? When do you stay silent? When do you stand for something? So one of the things that's always stuck with me is that whole idea of pearls to swine. You don't throw pearls to swine. And I've realized this, you guys, as somebody who's who's in a more public um, presence, I've got online, social media, in a, in a larger capacity, I'm not going to say a huge capacity, but in a larger capacity, there's a lot of people that watch my videos. There's a lot of people that email me. There's a lot of people that express their opinions about me or my life. And, and when I see somebody express an opinion or go so against who I am, or they're just bitey or they're mean, or they're just ripping people apart or they're bullying, you know, you see all this stuff on social media all the time right now. I've learned that, that I, it's pearls to swine for me to expect that I'm going to explain my stance to them and have them change their viewpoint when they are obviously so bitey and so angry and so determined or so, um, feeling like they're on this, this high horse of I'm right. And there's nobody else and unwilling to see reason and or blinded. We know that the world, you guys, we can't even blame them. It's like we sometimes as Christians get angry and I get it. It's frustrating, but, but why, you know, why doesn't somebody see, how can they not see that this is wrong? How can they not see an example of this would be the idea that the world says freedom of, of speech. Everybody should have a right to believe or say whatever they think. But when it comes to Christians, well, no, all of a sudden there's no rights. You don't have a right. I mean, Muslims can, can gather, they can have their prayer ceremonies. I mean, here in Canada, there's literally, they're bringing open days for that, but you can't talk about God if you're a Christian. But everybody else, everybody else has this freedom. And so it's frustrating as Christians sometimes. We're like, can you not see? Like, I don't understand. This is just literally common sense. How can you not see how twisted and tainted this is? How unjust this is? It's frustrating. And yet they can't. They cannot. They are blinded. They cannot see. 
The only way they're going to see is not through our worlds, words, not through us convincing them otherwise, but is through the Holy Spirit unveiling their eyes, taking the scales off their eyes so they can see, softening their heart. He is the one that softens our heart. We can pray for that. You want to actually see breakthrough in social media? Instead of using our words to fight battles that are never going to be won, in my opinion, you pray for that person. You pray for that person. And so I, I think that that's, that's been one of the things I've stood by. And one of the things that's always in my head is this idea of, is this pearls to swine? Now I'm not saying, again, there's no formula for this. So that is not always my answer, but it's always a question running through my head. And I think it's a really good one to ask God every single time you face something where you're wondering, how do I respond to this? What's my Christian response to my friend or on social media or in this situation? Ask yourself, is this pearls to swine? And ask God that. God, is this pearls to swine or are you, are you asking me to, to speak? One of the things that we read this week, um, Psalm 120 verse 7 was, um, David said, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This is just so incredible. You look at social media right now. Look at what's happening. It's like it's like you're for peace. It's like I don't understand. I I'm saying that that I believe that 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 this. I'm saying that, you know you you say the things and yet they just it doesn't matter what you say. It's still a battle. It's still a war because they actually just want a war. And you see this example. So David. He actually was for peace. Here's some examples of how he was for peace just from this past week. So I read all the way up to yesterday's, which was the story of Nabal and Abigail. And you see how he was for peace. He had a thought in his head that he was going to protect Nabal's um, sheep. And so his army, while they were there, they were protecting Nabal's sheep, who was a very wealthy um, herder man, whatever. And he was good to Nabal's people. And then when Nabal came, he went there and was basically like, feed us. We've been good to you. We basically want to let's celebrate. Let's basically have relationship. And Nabal was just a terrible person and just totally rebuked him and sent him off. Well, David was going to come and he was going to fight. He gathered 400 of his men. He said, strap on your swords. And Abigail stopped him and said, basically, let the Lord have justice is essentially what happened there. And so you see an example of at first he attempted peace and then he was even willing to let his heart be turned towards it. Here's another example um, is, is David and Saul. So far, two separate times, we have examples of Saul coming to kill David. Coming to kill David. And David is, is, is unwilling to, has two opportunities to kill Saul and is unwilling to because he will not lay a hand on God's anointed. The first example is Saul comes into a cave to go to the bathroom and they're hiding in that very cave. They could have easily, there was no one around. They could have killed him in a second. They did not. Instead, they took one of his things so that he would know they were close enough. They, they swiped off a, a corner of his robe without him even realizing. And then David went out and he said, look, I got this close to you. I don't desire to hurt you. Why are you against me? And Saul, you know, had a change of heart and went his way, came again to try to kill him. He's, he's here to kill him. And the Lord causes them to fall into a deep sleep. And he has his, his sword jammed into the ground at his head. And he has a water jug by his side and he is surrounded by his army. And David says, no, I will not lay a hand on God's anointed. He picks up the sword. He picks up the jug and he yells across. I have your things. I got this close to you. I have no desire to kill you. He was for peace. And yet at the same time, he was a mighty man of war who 
killed many, many people and was fierce. So you see this example of a person where last week we were talking about him being a man after God's own heart. He had the ability to be fierce and bold and, and, and run after things and, and do things and fight battles. And yet he also had the softness of heart and the desire for God to seek him and to follow him even more so than his desire for war or for justice or for anything else or to be right. And so one of the things is he said, this is God's anointed. And I see this in a number of different capacities. Um, this idea of this is God's anointed. Just for a second, look at this. Saul is tormented by evil spirits. Saul is rejected as king over Israel. Saul is, is chasing David, who is also God's anointed, the God's chosen king over Israel, and trying to kill him, irrationally so. He is not a good guy. And yet he was God's anointed and is God's anointed. And David says, God's going to have to be the one to bring him down. I know that right now we're dealing with other things and we're going to talk about those, but, but inside our own churches, there is such division and there is such disunity. And I see this the most between conservative and more free charismatic church, um, denominations. And I see a lot of the time based on fear, based on misunderstanding, or possibly sometimes based on truth. We see people who are, who are operating in, in gifts or operating in, in, um, whatever ways that maybe make somebody who's more conservative, uncomfortable and, or maybe it is wrong. There are absolutely people that, that, that either are, are beginning maybe they start in the calling of God and they fall or they begin to make their calling their idol or of course we're human we make mistakes so I'm not saying that all of these people are are right I'm not saying that all of these people are are good even but I'm saying we see this example of Saul who was not good and yet was still God's anointed and Saul or David being unwilling to touch him. And I see in our churches this problem, this division, this disunity, where churches are cutting other churches down, where they're saying this is this is because they believe in this or this or this, which makes us uncomfortable, because they believe God still speaks today. I know for sure there are people that consider me a, a heretic because I believe God still speaks today, because I believe that, that um, the Acts Church, those gifts of the Spirit, which is, by the way, prophecy and healing and discernment and tongue, I believe all of those things still exist. All of those things. Because it was there in the Bible and the New Testament, I believe it still happens today. And so there are many, 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 many people that would consider me a heretic because of that. And they do that within the churches. Now, I'm not saying I haven't been to all these churches. I have not experienced everything. There are definitely things I'm uncomfortable with. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. But here's the thing. Is God using these people? Is he established them? There are people, some, some of these people, some of these pastors, some of these ministries, literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people have been saved. Thousands of people have given their lives to God and have vibrant relationships with him. So, so again, I'm not saying God, God is ultimately the one that decides he, and he can lay on our hearts and be like, you know what? I don't want you under this, but we need to be very cautious. I believe there was a warning in the story of David to be very cautious, to go against God's anointed and God's anointed may look different than what you think. God says that he sets up rulers. He is the one that establishes rulers. He has established some pretty terrible rulers, but he established them for his purposes, for his sovereign goal. He has a plan and a purpose. If he is the one that sets these people up, then for us to go against God's anointed in leadership, in ministry, in our churches, 
I just think we need to be careful. There are also people that go, I believe, that are not anointed for the task and appoint themselves and decide that they are going to do this and they follow after it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there is no, I'm not, please understand, I am not saying a right or wrong. I am not saying even my side of things. I am saying that there is a warning in this. There was a warning in the story of David about going after God's anointed. And, and ultimately, we need to be very cautious and careful that we are seeking him for everything when it comes to when to speak and when to stay silent. Because I believe that there are a lot of people that are speaking very openly and very harshly about anyone who has any sort of a sin or discrepancy or issue or something they're uncomfortable with based on their theology, which by the way, is your own understanding of God, which we can never understand God. So our understanding is constantly changing, evolving and growing that based on their understanding of God is decided by them is wrong. And I'm just saying that that I believe that there is a lot of people who potentially are deciding on their own righteous sense of indignation rather than necessarily going to God and asking him. And David did that. He said, God forbade me. God told me, do not go against my anointed. So even in that, there's another sub little lesson for us is that ultimately it's not about oh, because this person is in leadership, because this person's in ministry, we can never speak against them. No. But instead, be cautious and ask the Lord and make sure that when he is calling and leading you and guiding you, don't just be so flippant with your tongue because the power of life and death is in your tongue. Your words have power. They have power. And I ultimately, if I'm going to speak against something, let me be so absolutely certain. And I will talk about that because there is a specific example where God asked me to speak about something in, in the Christian sphere that I took a very strong stand against. And some of you already know what I'm talking about. So I'm not saying that it's always wrong, but I'm just saying, be very cautious because I would hate to go to heaven and find out because I said all of this terrible stuff about this ministry or this church or this online platform because of that, therefore, people that were getting saved and, and delivered and, and brought to relationship with God through this ministry might turn away or might not consider it that God was intending for them to, to reach him. That was how, because of me, because of the words I said, because I deterred them. Just let me be careful. And, and that's the warning that I believe is in that. So we see the story of David. David is, is brutal in one sense, but he's also a man of peace. He is somebody who is ultimately seeking what God has rather than anything else. So my example is obviously the good and the beautiful. And I have been very careful to not even say those words. <laughs> I don't say it even in my groups. I don't say it at all anymore. I still get horrible, horrible emails about that. And there's a lot of Christians that think that the way I responded to that was incredibly wrong. Um, sometimes I find it a little ironic because these are often the same Christians that are speaking against our very own churches or any of the more charismatic movements that are in our circles today. So it's just, it's a double standard, which I struggle with slightly. However, there is a point in this. The point is, is that I believe that when we are talking about differences of post-trib, pre-trib, young earth, um, old earth, I mean, like we're talking about things that ultimately we don't know. 
And ultimately don't change the idea that God sent his son, Jesus, who was God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So believing in the Trinity, believing in the Holy Spirit and believing that that the three are one and that each of them are God and that Jesus came down and was the son of God and was God and he died for our sin and that he paid the price and that by believing in him and confessing with our mouth, that he is the son of God, that he is God. And by serving him with our lives and him being our master, that that is how we are saved. By believing that we are, there's a heaven and there's a hell. By believing these, there's like some basic theological things that are so, so clear in the Bible that I think that most Christian churches can agree on. And as long as this core thing is there, then when it comes to whether you are comfortable with the gifts of the spirit or not, when it comes to the idea of even saying, I don't believe that God still speaks today. Now, in my opinion, if you do not believe God still speaks today, I don't understand why you would even pray. What are you hoping to achieve? You don't think God's going to respond to you. So why would you even pray? You're praying to an empty ceiling. What, What do you hope to accomplish? Because God doesn't still speak. So I, I don't understand it, but that being said, I wouldn't say that somebody who, who struggles with the idea that thinks that everything that happened in the Bible ends, that they're not a Christian. No. If you believe in Jesus as the son of God and you believe, I think you're missing out on a vibrant relationship with him. And I'm ultimately not going to judge because I don't think it's just about praying the prayer and being done with it. God, um, Paul says, continually work out your salvation. I believe it is an ongoing relationship. You cannot serve two masters, which means on a daily basis, you are choosing to serve God rather than yourself, your own desires, the world, and what the culture is telling you. You are choosing daily to be counterculture and you are choosing to make him the Lord of your life. I believe that it is about that relationship. But I'm not the one who judges someone's salvation. I'm not that person. God is that person. So I'm not going to spend my time within the Christian church deciding based on what I'm comfortable with or not comfortable with, deciding on what fruit I see in your life or what I don't. Look at the, even the story of David from the very beginning. Samuel, godly, godly, godly man, said, surely this is the man God has chosen. And God said to him, you look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. God sees what we don't see. So I am not going to waste my time or my breath judging anybody's salvation other than God. When I made the stand against the good and the beautiful, and the reason I made the stand against the good and the beautiful is that time and time and time again, there are many examples in the Bible where God does call people to make a stand. Paul, he called people out who were a false gospel, who were wrong. I do not believe that Mormon, Latter-day Saints, whatever you want to call it, I do not believe that is the same Jesus. That is not the same Bible. That is not the same basic understanding. This idea of a mother God and a father God, and they they were created and they please the gods. It's, it's, it is so tainted and different from what our Christian beliefs are that I do not consider that a Christian denomination that I'm going against. And if you so struggle with the idea of that, then I, I would, I would really encourage you to go read my blog post about that on homeschoolon.com. I've done videos and stuff, but my specific blog post I did was to the Christian considering the good and beautiful. I actually went to their site. I sourced their site and I say, these are just a few, the tip of the iceberg of why I have significant concerns. And I think that this is so incredibly different and that we need to actually, it's a warning because this is the kind of thing that, that is incredibly deceiving. I believe there's massive deception. And so, yes, I believe that God asked me to speak 
And I've been very cautious until then because I, I, I don't want to continue to, I don't want to go against, I don't want to do anything more than exactly what God is asking me to do. Cause tell I will tell you right now, the, the battle that I faced because of the words that I spoke has been fierce and awful and, and terrible. It has. And so I don't want to do any more than what he's told me to, but I feel like I need to bring this up because this is an example where I spoke. That being said, I believe that it was speaking as something that is false and deceitful and is harming the church. And even now in our homeschool communities, people who have no idea that there's even differences, none. They go into the groups and people in the group say, we're all the same. And they say, oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) You need to know. You need to know the differences. That's it. I'm not judging your decision. Use or not use. It's your decision. And I'm not even judging. I will tell you right now, I am not judging a person of LDS um, or Mormon, whether their salvation. Again, I will always leave the, the decision of someone's salvation to God. Thank God I don't have to decide people's salvation. But I believe that the teachings and what I found on their site are so significantly different than ours. The idea that a man decided that this was, this was a, everything that we believed was wrong and they had something better. I believe it is a false gospel that is talked about in Paul. And so that is why I stood up against that. So there are going to be times in your life that God is going to ask you to speak and to stand for things. And when he does be prepared. Put on the full armor of God because there will be arrows. There will be slings. There is going to be so much that comes up against you. You need to be prepared. Don't take on battles you're not supposed to take on. Know when you're supposed to speak and know when you're supposed to stay silent. Know when it's pearls to swine and know when, when you actually have an opportunity and a soft heart there and enough seeds have been planted that your words actually could matter and could sway someone. They're open. They're ready to receive. That decision of when to speak specifically right now with everything happening in our culture, every word you say on social media has the opportunity of being just slambasted and, and be absolutely just wrecked on all sides. This is the opportunity we have to really seek God and to say, when do I speak? When do I stay silent? When is it pearls of swine? We need to pray about that and ultimately be led by the Holy Spirit. And this is why I believe that a vibrant relationship with God, where we believe that he speaks, where we're seeking him for guidance in our everyday life is so incredibly important because without that, how, where's your rudder? How do you know what direction you're going? You have to know what direction you're going. You have to have actual insight into right now. We get that through the word of God. We get that through praying. We get that through the sword of the spirit. We get that through seeking him by asking him and and he responds. Look through, look through the Old Testament, look through everything we're reading. They went to God, they inquired of the Lord and he told them, he speaks, he does, he wants to lead us and guide us and direct us. And so when we are facing this online battle, or we're facing something with our friends, we're talking about politics, we're talking about um, um, social issues right now that are facing our world. You need to ask the Lord, do I speak or do I stay silent? Is this your anointed or is this something you are a righteous injustice that you are laying on my heart and I'm supposed to be the one? Or are you going to be the one? Because if God's going to be the one, let him be the one. He's the one that ultimately goes. He's the one that ultimately has justice. He's the one. And that's what David said with Saul. If, if he's going to go, let God be the one to do it or let it be old age. Not me. I will not be the one. I will not be the one who goes against God's anointed. I think there's so much to jam pack out of this, but the main thing that I wanted to leave you guys with, and I'm going to go, is the idea of 
We have to be discerning. And this is what you see if you continue to read about the story of Nabal and Abigail is that God says that she was a discerning woman. She was discerning. She knew when to speak and when she was not supposed to stay silent. She gathered, she went against her husband by not even telling him to go and lay before David a feast and to basically request mercy. And you see this example of somebody who has discernment to know when she's supposed to speak, when she's supposed to rise up. And you see this with Esther, times where she's silent and times where she speaks. We have to seek the Lord on these things. We have to ask him for discernment. We have to grow in that and we have to be careful about the words that we speak, understanding the power of these words. I think there's a call to the Christian church right now to not be so flippant, to not be so quick, to not just spout off every single thought in our head. Have we taken the time to ask and to test the thoughts in our head, to make sure that this is the right timing for such a time as this? And I am guilty of this just like everybody else. This isn't something I'm putting off out there on everybody else. I'm saying that we as a church and we as a culture, this is, this is a weak spot for us. We have very little self-control in our minds and we tend to think whatever pops in and we tend to say whatever pops in. And I believe that God is asking us to begin to grow in our discipline. Like an army that is undisciplined versus one that is disciplined. I believe he's asking us to grow in that. All right, 40 minutes. Wow. I'm going to go, but let's pray. And then I'm going to wrap this up. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for every single person that has listened. I thank you that words are powerful. I thank you that you give us authority. I thank you that you adopt us into your family, God, that you are chose us, that you call us and that we are yours. I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. I thank you that you speak to us and through us. I thank you that you gave us your armor, Father, to guard and protect us. And you gave us examples and your word that we can use as guidance and to direct us and to lead us and to speak out your words. We have the most powerful thing to speak out. We have your words to speak out into a situations that we face. I pray and declare right now over our lives, God, that you will be glorified. I declare right now that you are bigger than the problems that we face. I declare right now that you are good no matter what we see. I declare right now, God, that you are sovereign over everything that is happening in this world, that you have a plan and that we are not just just lost right now, Father, that you have a plan and a purpose. I thank you for who you are and what you are doing. And I ask you to lead and guide and direct us to speak to us, to help us to serve you more, to help us begin to have discipline in our minds, to test our thoughts, to test our words, to test what we're saying with your word and with your character. I pray that you would lead and guide and direct us, Holy Spirit, in our conversations, in our online conversations, and you would begin to train your army to be disciplined to discipline what we speak and what we say, and that we would use our words for life and not death, and that we would begin to know and speak your word, Father. Give us a hunger for your word. Help us to continue to grow in our relationship with you. I pray blessings over our marriage, blessing over our children, blessing over our family, blessing over our homeschools, blessing over every aspect of our lives, financially, God, in business. I pray for breakthrough. I pray for openings, God. I pray that you would be glorified in this next season and that we would see your goodness in the land of the living God. Thank you for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. See you guys later.